Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Coming up on NBA Today, Beal is done for the season. Does that mean he's done with the Wizards, too? We're going to get into that. Plus, things are getting a little awkward with Russ and Frank Vogel. So should he be in the closing lineups or not? And... Simmons for Harden. How close is it to actually happening ahead of the deadline? NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews, joined by our NBA champ, Kendrick Perkins. We also have two-time WNBA All-Star, Cheney Agumake, and senior writer and host of The Low Post, Zach Lowe. And trade season, it's already upon us. So before we get into the panel, I want to bring in our senior NBA insider, Adrian Wojnarowski. And Woj, yesterday you broke the news that Bradley Beal is going to have season-ending surgery on his wrist. So what led to that decision? Well, you know, the torn ligament, in the wrist and you know just the idea right now of getting that healed he had been playing through uh pain with that injury uh but i think to get it healed get it corrected and obviously this is a big summer for bradley beal a lot of decisions for him to make and obviously a wizards team who's been on the wrong trajectory this season and uh it just made sense to to get that uh injury taken care of and uh get the surgery Absolutely. And Woj, you, you mentioned this summer with Beal having the option to become a free agent. How confident are the Wizards that they can resign him? Well, I was told that Bradley Beal, his agent, Mark Bartlestein with Priority Sports, met on Monday with Tommy Shepard, the GM in Washington and owner Ted Leonsis. And uh, besides talking about the injury and, and the fact that they ultimately landed on that they'd get the surgery, you know, they talked about you know, the roster construction, where the team was headed, uh, what the vision was for continuing to build a team around Bradley Beal. And that's a conversation you can expect that they'll continue to have in Washington as they head toward uh, either the uh, possibility of him signing an mm. extension uh, or, of course, perhaps testing free agency. This is a conversation that's been ongoing between Bradley Beal, Mark Bartlestein, and the Wizards for some time. And there's a lot to consider here. There's certainly a lot of interest all over the league. But you have seen with Bradley Beal a tremendous loyalty to Washington, to that organization. Uh, but he's finally hit a crossroads now this summer where he's going to have to really make a choice. Absolutely. Let's let's go from the east to the west here, Woj, because you just broke a trade in the last hour involving the Jazz, the Spurs, and the Trailblazers. So how does this set the Jazz up for the rest of the season? You can see the details on the screen there. Well, Malika, once the Jazz lost Joe Ingles to the ACL injury, it became even more likely they were going to use his expiring contract in a trade. And to get back to kill Alexander Walker, who comes from the Blazers, just moved there uh, yesterday as part of the C.J. McCollum trade. Now they get a 23-year-old player who's you know, shown to be, you know, to really be able to have an impact offensively. 
uh, a lot of potential in this player. The Jazz certainly have a development program there under Quinn Snyder where you've seen young players really grow. So he's somebody for down the road, but also is going to be a part of their rotation this year. They move out Elijah Hughes to Portland, young player who the Blazers like, and a couple second-round picks, both to the Spurs, one to the Spurs, one to Portland. But this is a Jazz team now. You know, as Joe Ingles goes, and listen, there's a chance certainly that he finds his way back to Utah as a free agent. He's, again, on an expiring deal. He's had a great run in Utah, intertwined in that community. But uh, he'll rehab that ACL, and certainly now for the Jazz, you know, getting in uh, Alexander Walker's a player that's, you know, for a team that is is trying to get righted, starting to get their players back, you know, he's going to play a role for them. Absolutely. And, and Woj, since you're here, I, I want to ask you about another name that's been circulating during the trade season, Jeremy Grant. Are the Pistons, are they expected to move him before tomorrow's deadline? You know, the, the Pistons have a pretty high threshold for Grant, and that's been around two first-round picks. And Portland's certainly a team that has interest. Damian Lillard, for one, you know, he has had, had some hopes that Portland could acquire him back to last year when he was less available. But I think for Detroit, they are perfectly willing to just go into the offseason with Grant. He's got another year left on his deal. They could sign him to an extension. Uh, they could look at doing a deal at the trade, or, or excuse me, at the draft or around free agency. I right. think if the trade deadline was in the next hour, uh, they would not have a deal for him. But we still have a day left. We still have a day left, and we will be watching, looking at our phones. I'm going to let you get back to work. I know you have so much to do between now and the trade deadline. Thank you for stopping by, Woj. I do want to get back to Bradley Beal here to detail his options. So for our front office insider Bobby Marks is joining us. So, Bobby, what can you tell us about the deal that Bradley Beal can do? What are his options? Yeah, I mean, that $181 million extension is still sitting there, and it's likely not he's not going to sign it. He's been, it's been well known. So we could take that off the board right now. He's got that $36.4 million player option, uh, likely to decline that. Uh, he could sign that big contract with Washington, five years, $245 million. Here's the interesting thing. He could also opt into that number. If he wakes up one morning and says, I don't want to be a wizard anymore. I want to go to another team. He can opt in. We've talked about it with James Harden and sign a four-year, $199 million extension after he's been traded, six months after. So, and essentially, he's only going to lose about $4 million. Here's the thing. Beal has a trade bonus in his contract. Hmm. So if he's traded, he's going to get $5.4 million. So he'll make up the difference what he would be leaving on the table with Washington than what he could sign with a new team. So there's not much of a difference there. And then, of course, the, the cap space route. Four years, $182 million. But Indiana, Detroit, Portland, um, Orlando... San Antonio, not contending teams right now. So here's the two, two options to keep an eye on. The five years, 245, and then certainly that opt-in and then possibly asked to be moved at the, you know, in the offseason. Well, and Bobby, you have to imagine, right, that if Bradley Beal comes to the Washington Wizards, we just heard Woj say that if he wants something else, this is a, a continuous dialogue, right? And Woj said that this is something that they've been chatting about. So you have to imagine that if Bradley Beal wants out, he's been so loyal to that franchise, they're going to work with him. I want to bring in the entire panel here, Zach Cheney and Big Perk. And Big Perk, I'll start with you. Do you believe that we have seen Bradley Beal play his last minutes in a Wizards uniform? You know what? I don't know the answer to that 
question. And here's why. It seemed like every single year, Bradley Beal's name get brought up about whether or not he should leave the Wizards or is he going to stay or whatever the case may be. I think Bradley Beal got to decide what do he want to do. Like, do he want to continue to stay in Washington and be that guy, be that go-to guy, or do he want to leave and actually be probably a second-tier guy or robbing to somebody else and try to go compete for a championship? Look, everybody have different goals for us when they're in the NBA for us, what they want to achieve and what they want to accomplish. But I'm going to say this like I used to say in the locker room to the young guys. Do not pass up your lettuce. Get all the money you <laughs> possibly can because at the end of the day, I get it. It's entertainment to yeah. us. It's entertainment to the fans. But at the end of the day, it's a job, and you're supposed to maximize and get as much money as you can before this is all over with. Well, and that's one thing that's so interesting about what Bobby just told us is that he has multiple options that would get to similar lettuce, if you will, Zach. He's not going to leave any lettuce on the table. And your perk's right. He shouldn't. This is a player's league. The money either goes to the teams or the players. Give it to the players. They're the ones we're paying to watch. So I I think it's a coin flip. As Perk has said, the noise has been all over the place in terms of whether these are his last minutes or he's played his last minutes with the Wizards. I think, honestly, I bet he watches the last 20 games of the season and says, Let's see what this team's got. Let's see how these young guys progress. Can Spencer Dinwiddie, who's had really a disappointing season for them, can he find his game? Is there something for me to come back to here where I have hope? And if there's not, if they continue to play like they're playing, I would lean towards some fireworks this summer. Yeah, I think this is really interesting. Coming from the player perspective, the number one question when you have decisions like this is loyalty, and you feel that pressure. You want to be at a franchise that you feel like you've taken them to the mountaintop. But like you said, Perk, sometimes the only thing that's loyal is the bread while your body is the way you make your money. Mm. And I think it's fascinating that, Bobby, I'm looking at you, that you brought up, and thank you for breaking it down in a way that I can understand, uh, the trade bonus, how he could potentially get more money by getting traded, which is another test of loyalty. Am I correct? I mean, I don't think his mic's on, but he said yes. So I just wanted to verify that. But the fact that's another, like hearing that as a test of loyalty. I spoke to uh, Damian Lillard quite a bit about his situation. We're friends. We've been knowing each other for a couple years now. And I feel like these guys are at similar junction points, Dame and Bradley Beal. Both guys that the cities have really embraced, both guys that have put their whole heart, body, and soul and their game out there and maxed out in certain scenarios. And the question is, what do you want that legacy to be? Do you want a tag team with another star? And you see sometimes it works out really well, but look at Brooklyn, sometimes it's way more complicated. That's what's going through their heads. And I do think that Bradley is loyal, but at some point you have to take your uh, cues from the front office like we're seeing with Portland, getting Coach Chauncey Billups in there, starting to make these trades. You know, CJ was always in conversations <laughs> about trades, but now you're seeing things happening. All right, maybe that makes takes a little pressure off of the athlete. You need to see those same things happening in Washington. And I feel like because Portland has been in the playoffs, the urgency is not on them per se right now. Yeah, well, I mean, I think watching those last 20 games, watching, you know, the way the rest of the season plays out, watching what they're able to do. Because remember, at the beginning of the year, we were like, huh, are the Wizards something? Is something happening over there? And then over the course of the season, it evened out. But I do think, Cheney, at this point, watching everything that Bradley Beal has given that organization, no one could fault him. Yep. Really, whatever decision mm -hmm. he makes. No way. Here. No, no way. Not at all. No way. All right, still Thanks, ahead Bobby. on NBA Today, shout out Bobby Marks. <laughs> Russell Westbrook's surprising postgame sound. It's about as blunt as it gets. You do not want to miss that. Plus, what on earth 
do the lethargic Knicks do before tomorrow's trade deadline? I know Stephen A is tuning in for that segment. And the hypothetical trade that everybody is talking about, Harden, Simmons, will it actually go down? We've got the latest on NBA Today. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Here's our NBA Saturday primetime matchup. The Lakers take on the Warriors, and our coverage begins with NBA Countdown at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ABC and the ESPN app. All right, so here's how the Lakers fared against the defending champs last night. We have got the teams that won the last two NBA titles going head-to-head. Fans are understandably restless here in L.A. LeBron James and the Lakers, no match for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Lakers trying to keep their spirits up. So Russell Westbrook is a big story coming out of last night's game. So for the second straight game, Russ was benched by coach Frank Vogel, and he was subbed out in the third quarter, and he did not return. So here's how Russ reacted to the benching after the loss. Take a listen. I put a lot of work in. I got a lot of respect in this game. I, I, I don't have to hit a benchmark. I shouldn't have to. Um, I earned the right, you know, to be in closing lineups. Numbers will tell you. I don't have to explain that. But like I said, once again, that ain't my decision. That's his decision that he um, and the staff think is best for the game. And unfortunately, just kind of just got to go with it. There's a moment right before the end of the game where you went over to LeBron and AD on the bench. Can, can you kind of take me yeah, through just, what was going, what was going on there? Yeah, just encouragement. Just keep their head up. Keep playing. Tough night. And I told him I wish I could help him. Unfortunately, I wasn't in the game to be able to help them. Um, and that's why I, you know, why I came here to be able to help them out. So, unfortunately, I haven't been able to do that you know, for them. But it's, that's not my call. All right. So, I'd like to welcome our insider, Brian Windhorst, to the conversation. So, Brian, can the Lakers make it work with Westbrook after what we just heard? You know, the next few days are going to be really important with Russ because taking that position where he's not willing to go along with potentially sitting at the end of close games and maybe at some point even coming off the bench, not even being in the starting lineup, that's going to be a very important thing for the Lakers over the next few days because when you look at the numbers, Russ is referring to his career numbers. His career numbers are awesome. He's a Hall of Famer. But this season's numbers do not support playing him at the end of close games. And even if the eye test doesn't support it, and that's going to be a huge thing for the Lakers to manage in these next few days. Well, and Perk, take a look at these numbers so we can kind of see exactly what Brian is talking about here. You know what? The numbers is fine, but I'm I'm extremely bothered by Russ and those comments after the game. In what Um, sense? in, In a bad way. For the simple fact that Accountability is is huge, and Russell Westbrook is shying away from that word for some reason. And he can't sit up here and tell 
you know, hey, I was brought here to help, but it's out of my hands. No, it's been in your hands. You just haven't delivered. And you know what's weird to me hmm. is that they have a guy over there by the name of Phil Handy, Coach Phil Handy, arguably the best workout guy, uh, the uh, developmental guy in the NBA. And for some reason, Russell Westbrook just won't give Phil Handy a chance. And every night I'm watching his game struggle. And so the problem that I have is, is that you can't come on here and blame Coach Frank Vogel because Coach Frank Vogel then stuck with you long enough. He's tolerated. He's had your back in multiple interviews saying, Russ will be fine. We got to get our chemistry. Sooner or later, I mean, he got to figure it out. He has to put the best players on the floor at the time that he think could win the game. And right now, Russell Westbrook is not in that conversation. What Russell Westbrook needs to do is the, get the trust back of not only his coaches, but his players. Because we just saw in the video, LeBron and AD wasn't trying to hear that. They're like, no, nah, dog, you got to pick your game up. They was not trying to hear that. They didn't tell them that, but they wasn't trying to hear that. Look at it. They're not trying to hear that. No, I agree. And when I saw that, I saw a player that was not necessarily involved based on the reality. In the NBA, in basketball overall, you got to be able to get a bucket. Like, you cannot be a liability on offense anymore. And if you are, you've got to create one. And I think he struggled creating them. He struggled scoring. And on a night where normally you see AD go 8 for 10 and LeBron James 11 for 19, and they both combined for about 50 points, you would think that this team would be competitive. But instead, Russ is 3 for 11, 0 for 1 from 3. It just, you can't, it, you're not creating a case for yourself. Mm. And I do think that, you know, at points, Russ has been able to be the dog wherever he goes, whether that's OKC, Houston, the Wizards, and now L.A. This is a lot of pressure and expectation, not only playing for Los Angeles, but coming back to your hometown where all your family's there and then trying to acclimate in a season where LeBron was out in the beginning, AD out in the middle, and now you're all back together trying to save the season. I think, what are they, 26 and 29 right now? Trying to make sure they don't end up in a situation where they were in the play-in, and that really hurt them and put them in positioning. But you've got to play and perform at a high level in order to make this push. And I think he hasn't, per se, as, you know, Wendy, you've said, given the requisite evidence for a coach to say, I see why you need to be out there. And lastly, I'll say this. For us, I mean, everyone deals with flaws, quote-unquote, with your, within your game. Perk, you made a great point about, all right, go work out with the trainer, um, Phil Handy. I mean, everyone knows him in the basketball world. You soak up that type of knowledge. What can you do if you're not knocking down your shot? Everyone knows in basketball, if they're not guarding you, dribble handoff. The next person coming off can be a shooter. Being intentional with those movements to create shots for other people. Screening, you know, that's number one, too. Uh, Focusing on assisting the ball. Like, if you know that's your primary choice, do that. Those are things that you as a veteran have to move the pride to the side and say, if I'm here to win, and everyone, people won't care if you have zero or five points and you win mm. and you have 15 assists. We've seen that. You know, I mean, sorry, I'm just... Uh, uh, no, 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 be real, but... Be <laughs> a 40, be a, be a $41 million or 40... What would Russ make? 40? 40? 40-something million dollars. 44. Right now, oh, be a $44 million dollar Alex Caruso. Be, be that. Be a guy that, that has zero points, seven steals, and impact in the game that way if you're not being able to score. But here, here's, here's the thing that I want to point out when I look at Russ. Right now, Russ is being challenged because now he finally has to play basketball. Well, he's been on teams where they're just hooping. Think about it. The Houston Rockets was just That's open true. court and just <laughs> running. It wasn't real, no real That's high true. IQ or having to go with – or having to go with, 
you know, uh, how can I make this work? Or no, no, it was James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Y'all get up and down and do y'all thing. Same thing with the Wizards. Same thing when we was went with Oklahoma City. But now it comes upon the time where, guess what, Russ? You actually got to play basketball. Right. You actually got to be a basketball player with a basketball IQ in the moment. And Russ is struggling, and Russ needs to hold himself accountable of that and not Frank Vogel. Well, Dave McGrenneman had some interesting reporting in his post-game story last night, which essentially said that folks inside the locker room had told him that there's a little bit of an admission that this roster really isn't working, Brian. So I have to ask, is there any chance the Lakers look to move Westbrook before tomorrow's trade deadline? Yeah, in recent discussions with the Lakers, teams who have talked to them have found that they are not willing to include the 2027 first-round pick. That's the only first-round pick they can trade. If you take that off the table, finding a trade for Westbrook and attach without it being able to attach that pick I think is very hard. I wouldn't say anything's impossible, but right now, from what I understand – the conversations the Lakers are having are with Taylor Horton Tucker. And I'm not so sure that's going to make a massive difference in the roster. Right. Well, and we've also heard folks say that this is not necessarily a movable player. Looking at the size of his contract, looking at the very few options. Bobby Marks has broken it down for us before that are out there. It doesn't seem all that likely. Thank you so much, Brian. All right. Plenty more still ahead on NBA Today. Before tomorrow's big trade deadline, the up-to-the-minute reporting that is coming up next. And Joel Embiid, he sounds off oh, after last night's game. Oh, did he? You just wait to hear this big perk. You have got to hear what Joel Embiid has to say. Plus, our guys, Perk and Richard, they wear a lot of hats around here, but just wait until you hear what assignment they landed in. Oh, goodness. Uh, NBA Today rolls on after the break. I want to start with arguably the biggest star who was traded, and that is Blazers guard CJ McCollum. The Pelicans, they've acquired him from the Trailblazers. They're parting ways after nine seasons together. This is some form of malpractice on the Kings' part. <laughs> this so is some form of, you, of malpractice. I'm so proud of you. Tyrese Halliburton was stunned, Malika. The league is stunned at this trade. He was determined to turn things around and be part of that rebuild. I know he's shocked right now. Make it make sense, Zach. Make it make sense. Trade deadline week kicked off Sunday when the Cavaliers acquired Karis LeVert from the Pacers for Ricky Rubio's expiring deal, a lottery-protected first, and also two seconds. So LeVert will add scoring punch to a Cleveland team whose guards average the fewest points per game in the league. Let's go over to the Pelicans because they acquired C.J. McCollum and Larry Nance Jr. from the Blazers for a package led by Josh Hart, a protected first, and also two seconds. So McCollum is one of eight players to average 20 points per game in each of the last seven seasons that includes this one. And then the Pacers, they traded 25-year-old two-time All-Star DeMontis Sabonis to the Kings in a deal that brought back Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald. Halliburton, remember, he's averaged 19 and 10 in 12 games without De'Aaron Fox this season and now becomes a Pacers cornerstone. And we are inching closer to the trade deadline tomorrow. We are going to have it covered with a three-hour show, so be sure to tune in to ESPN. But, Zach, we have a mini-trade with the Heat here. What can you tell us? A mini-trade. The Heat have <laughs> traded KZ Okpala to the Thunder, but that's not what matters. As part of the trade, the Heat and the Thunder amended the terms of a first-round pick. Miami was OKC, and as Bobby could explain, what it really allows to do is the Heat can suddenly trade this year's first-round pick 
or next year's and never underestimate. What do you call them, Park? The goons from Dade County? Mm. Never <laughs> underestimate Pat Riley. Always scheming. The on. problem, though, is they don't have a lot of expendable salary to trade to right. attach those things, so we'll see if they can do anything, but never, you know, they're always plotting. They're always plotting. Never <laughs> underestimate the goons from Dade County. All right, Bobby Marks, he is back with us, so we are going to walk through some potential trade scenarios for the deadline tomorrow. So I want to start with the New York Knicks, Bobby. They lost in Denver last night. New York has now lost four in a row, and they sit at 12th in the Eastern Conference. Remember, they were the fourth seed in the East last year. So, Bobby, what options do the Knicks have in terms of trades here? Well, I've been the cheerleader for patience and continuity, no. and I think, <laughs> man, I think we could throw it out the window right now, right? I mean, that's been the big thing as far as they finished fourth in the East last year. They basically brought back the same roster, added Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, kind of lost their, their DNA a little bit as far as that defensive mentality and here's the big question. Can you keep on building around Julius Randle? No. Remember, that extension has not even kicked in yet. Four years, $106 million that start next year. They've got a lot, as I call it, the sweet spot of a deal. Six players that earn between 9 and $22 million. I would say the lone untouchable is R.J. Barrett. Yes, agreed. Right. Lone untouchable is R.J. Oh, Barrett. Oh, yeah. yes. That would be the only player. Hey, if you're calling for Kevin Durant, He's not untouchable, right. but for, for what they're looking to do, I would put him on the untouchable. Agreed. Uh, and then they've got <clears throat> they've got draft assets, eight future first, including that Dallas pick next year that's top ten protected. So there's stuff there to go out and make a deal, but as I said, do they continue with that patience and continuity? Well, I mean, Perk emphatically <laughs> said no, but what exactly are the Knicks missing here, Zach? Uh, just talent. I mean, they just don't have enough perimeter shot creation right now. Kemba Walker's been so up and down and has been down lately. But the problem is a lot of these contracts, like, I think they'd have to attach a pick to get off Evan Fournier's contract. I don't think that's an appealing contract. Alec Burks probably has some value. He's been good for them. And, you know, untouchable R.J. Barrett. Is he untouchable if you're calling about Damian Lillard? No. Okay, no, we don't know no. what we mean by untouchable, but I agree, Zach. I do think that, you know, R.J. Barrett, he's one of those people that you want to protect. You don't want to make a Halliburton-esque type of mistake with someone that's developing. Is that a, is that a new soon. word here? Too okay, soon. I'm so yeah, sorry. Too, too soon. soon. Too soon. My bad. Okay. That, that is, wow, Chinay. All right, that's too soon. I promised Perk that we wouldn't have to wait too long, so let's switch over to the Western Conference with the Memphis Grizzlies because they beat the Clippers by 26 points last night. John Morant, he led the way with 30 points and Did took a hard foul from Marcus Morris, which then resulted in a flagrant two ejection. So you can take a look here, right? Memphis is currently third in the West, trailing only Fallen. Golden State. So Bobby, this team already really good. I think Perk would say really, 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 really good. So what <laughs> options do they actually have ahead of the trade deadline? Really good, but the cake is not baked yet. And don't take it out of the oven, right? It's still it's still formulating here. And I think when you look at it from, from their roster, oh, we can't get there. Here we go. They are the model franchise in roster building. Mm. So anyone out there who wants to get in this industry, study what the Grizzlies have done as far as how they built their roster. 20th in payroll, the uh, second youngest team in the NBA. I think we forget about that. They've got 10 first-round picks to trade. They've got the Lakers, Utah, Golden State, flexibility in the offseason. But how they operate is that they rarely add in free agency. Potential could have cap space. Um, this team, they're there, but not quite where Phoenix is yet. Mm. But 
they'll be there soon. Well, Park, the floor is yours. What, what do you think? Should they make any moves or upgrades here? Uh, no, I, I think they should stay in pack. And the part of the part of the reason is because a lot of their guys they drafted, and so when you look at it, they have their superstar in Job ja Morant, obviously. They have a guy who could possibly win Defensive Player of the Year and Jaron Jackson Jr., but you have wings and guard play that you can't just trade away. Like, when you look at Desmond Baines, when you look at uh, Melton that comes in off the bench, even Clark, he plays like that 4-5, like, you know, a small version of the 5 in the second unit. Big Steven Adams doing his role, and they got great continuity. By the way, uh, Tyrus Jones arguably is the best best backup PG in the game. And right now, look, I'm telling you this, okay? Memphis is for real. Their ceiling, in my opinion, is the Western Conference Finals. I believe that they could beat any team in the West in the seven-game series because of their swagger. And you heard what Josh said after he got that flagrant. I, I mean, I got locked out. I played on concrete all my life. You saw me get up, and that's the type of energy you need. So if I'm Memphis earlier in the year, I said, you know what? You might want to consider trade Dylan Brooks, get a Jalen uh, uh, Brown. But now nah, if I'm Memphis, I ain't doing a damn thing. Nothing, Zach? I think that's exactly from what I've heard what Memphis is doing. They got their feet up on the desk. If the phone rings, <laughs> they'll pick it up. You're going to offer me something crazy. But other than that, they're watching the fireworks like everybody else. They love their team. They love their culture. They'll listen if you call it like two seconds for Jared Culver or something like that. But they're not doing anything big. They're not screwing this up. They're just enjoying it like the rest of us. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think a lot of times in the NBA, you see teams getting wins because they have a great aggregation of talent. Like they can wake up three or four players and go get you buckets. You have a true team here. The last time I felt this vibe that was happening from the ground up, was, you know, the Warriors, yeah. honestly, and how they built and how they've invested Ooh. and developed. Yep. And so protect that at all costs. Protect that at all costs. Also protect Bobby Marks at all costs because yes. we are going to need you so <laughs> oh, much yes, tomorrow <laughs> ahead of the trade deadline. Bobby, thank you so much for joining us. Bobby, Still to come, Bobby. though, on NBA Today, Joel Embiid, he's been on an absolute tear. Even if they don't trade for Harden, can Philly win the East? Stay tuned. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. Here's our star-studded NBA Wednesday doubleheader on ESPN and the app. The Bulls take on the Hornets at 7.30 Eastern. And then the Warriors, they face the Jazz in our special all-women broadcast featuring Beth Moens, Doris Burke, and Lisa Salters on the call. Our coverage starts with NBA Countdown at 7 o'clock Eastern. An important detail about this broadcast is that beyond the women you'll see on camera, an entire production staff of women will be working on the game behind the scenes. And as a woman who works in sports, I know that many of us, I know I do, want our work to speak for itself. But today, I do want to shine a spotlight on the women whose work you see on television every single day, but you might not even know their role exists. Their work is so crucial to getting what you're watching on air. And tonight, that's Sarah Gallero, the coordinating producer of the game. That's Jocelyn Meyer, the director. And it's Lori Privatera, the producer. And so many more women who are the foundation of our NBA coverage. So now, like we always do as women, let's get back to work. Because we now welcome in Warriors.
Warriors reporter Kendra Andrews, who's in Utah ahead of tonight's matchup between the Jazz and Golden State. So, Kendra, I want to start with Clay Thompson, who's been in a little bit of a groove these last few games, but he's been cleared to increase his minutes. Clay is resting tonight, but what are the Warriors' plans for him moving forward here? Well, Malika, Clay has been resting on one end of back-to-back -back since he returned, so he's out tonight against the Jazz, but he will be available tomorrow back in San Francisco against the New York Knicks, and I'm told that this is going to be the Warriors' plan for him for the foreseeable future, and they're really going to defer to their training staff to decide when he will be available in both games of back-to-back -back series. Now, as for that minute increase, it has been bumped up to 30, and he played a season-high 29 minutes the other night in mm. Oklahoma City, and as you said, Malika, he's been in a little bit of a groove and the team believes that there's a direct correlation between that and his minutes being increased. Clay said that when he was on a tighter minute restriction, he was forcing his game early on, trying to find a rhythm before he was pulled. But now that he's back to a more normal uh, minute pattern and minute, uh, rotation pattern, he's just able to play within the flow of the offense, let his game come to him, and it's resulted in him looking like his old self. Yeah, and some more possibly good news for the Warriors on Tuesday. You saw center James Wiseman on the court for the first time since last April. So what does that mean for his return to play timeline here? Well, there's no clear timeline as when we're going to see him in a game. But as you said, he was able to participate in a three-on-three -three scrimmage yesterday after practice. And this was the first time he was able to do contact work since having his meniscus repaired last April. Uh, and he was able to play for about 20 minutes. And I pulled uh, Steph Curry aside after practice and asked him what is this what does this mean to see James Wiseman take this next step and he said look Kendra the word rehab has been really sour around us lately so mm. to see James take this step it's clearing a huge hurdle for him and it's going to give him an amazing opportunity to join us down the stretch at the right time as we make a playoff push now Bob Meyer said that there have been some instances over the past couple months where James has almost been cleared to uh, do contact work but the way his knee had responded in those situations made the training staff uncomfortable clearing him for contact so now that he's finally able to scrimmage, he did so for about 20 minutes, is a really, really good sign for the Warriors. Yeah, a little bit of good news because, like you said, he's been knocking on that door. Maybe this is the time that he actually bursts through. Kendra, thank you so much for joining us on NBA Today. We still have so much more show to come. Wait until you hear Joel Embiid's postgame comments about his teammates. Is this a prelude to a Harden trade? Hmm... Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. There's no sugarcoating it. The Simmons thing is an ongoing disaster. They have overvalued his market value. People are down on Ben Simmons. But the reality is, this is a very good player.
Well, a couple of the NBA's brightest stars and best teams battled it out last night in Philadelphia as the Suns took on the 76ers. There you can see Joel Embiid, Devin Booker going head-to-head all night, Janae. This was a good one. I mean, check this out right here. When you're in the fourth quarter and you need a bucket, you go to your center from three? What? Joel Embiid, though, he's been unreal. But look at this. Chris Paul misses. Crafty oh. play by Jay Crowder. And bam, three-point play right there. That's a swing of possessions that really helped the Suns down the stretch. Well, and that's why they've been noted as one of the best clutch chime teams, if not Ugh. the best. Straight run, up. Devin, Devin, run. Booker. All the way. Tough finish. That's basketball right there. You, How bad do you want it? Don't dribble. Finish it. And what's done? Well, but then going the other way. Look at this play right here. One man that's a center taking on the whole squad and finishing with a dunk. He wants to win MVP. That is telling you exactly why. Well, let's go ahead to the very end of the game, though. 30 seconds left. The ball is in Chris Paul's hands. Heartbreaker. Maxi guarding him. MVPS play, getting a steal, but then right here, watch this, the outlet pass too far. You're telling me you had a chance. Well, and look at Joel Embiid's face here. Look at his body length. Gets the steal on Chris Paul, and man, uh, not in stride, and you that's where the game was lost. Well, and the Phoenix Suns win at 119-114-109. Check that. Here's Joel Embiid after the game. Anybody's welcome uh, to play. And, you know, if you want to be part of us, I'm sure uh, everybody's going to be fine with it. But you got to, you know, you got to show up. You got to want to be there. And uh, and I'm sure everybody's going to, you know, accept whoever, um, you know, that is. I, I get paid to, you know, bring results and win games. I don't get paid to, you know, babysit Tyrese. So, you know, I get paid to challenge him uh, to try to help me uh, win games. I get paid to, you know, do the same thing to Tobias and, you know, all the other guys and they respond. For the guys that are here and if you're here, I'm going to challenge you and we're going to challenge each other to be better and try to win a championship. So that's not the first time this season we've heard Joel Embiid use the term babysitter. Joined now by Zach, Perk, and Chanae. So, Zach, I'm going to start with you. Do the 76ers, as presently constructed, have enough to win the East right now? First of all, babysitting is a tough job. I don't know what it was. You know, five bucks an hour to uh, do it. I'm going, look, you can, you can start to talk yourself into it. They're near the top of the East. The Bucks right now, their center is injured. They don't have a great matchup for Embiid. I still think the Sixers are just a little bit short. Look at what the Bucks have done. They just destroyed the Lakers last night. They're 23-5 and five with their big three healthy. They're hopeful Lopez will come back at some point. And people, we, we never talk about them. The Heat are just sitting there getting healthy. And I think both of those teams I would probably take in a playoff series over Philadelphia. But this, the fact that we're even having this discussion yep. – is a tribute to what Joel Embiid, especially him, has done this year. What a majestic season. Yeah, and you think about the top of the East. You just mentioned the Bucks, who we all know can repeat if they so choose. The Miami Heat, they improved. The Chicago Bulls, they improved. And then the 76ers, they're probably playing with a majority of their, you know, last year's roster. The only person that really has improved so much to put the team on the back is Joel Embiid. I mean, listening to him talk, can't you guys just sort of feel that he's arrived? Like, we've always known he's been fun, that he's super talented, but it seems like he's figured it out. Like, his game, he's figured it out how to handle the media, how to not get too much into the Twitter sphere where, you know, the conversations can be sort of a distraction. Joel Embiid deserves all the props this season for keeping them in contention and then also getting those role players to really step their games up in moments that matter most. We'll see, like, we'll determine if they can contend. But you have to be proud of the effort that Philly has put in so far, minus Ben Simmons. Absolutely. But I think, I think we are taking the other guys for granted 
uh, they're very underrated. We have to realize this team was what uh, Ben Simmons layup away or a couple possessions away of actually going to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And some may say that if Tyrese Maxey was in the game instead of Ben Simmons, that they would have won the game. He has improved so much. That's why Philly don't want to give him up. But when you look at their team and you look at MB, when you look at the Eastern Conference, first of all, the Eastern Conference is wide open. Yes, I got Miami as my favorite, but that still don't mean that Philly can't be playing great basketball. Tobias Harris living up to his contract. Seth Curry knocking down those shots like we know he can. But it's nobody, no answer in the NBA for Joel Embiid. Period. It's Kevin Durant, then it's Joel Embiid. You have zero answer for him. So if he's at his best, he could take you through a seven-game series. I'd put Giannis in that conversation. I yeah, would put Giannis. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 but he's dominant, Malik. I'm talking about pure-out skills. See, pure-out skills, in certain ways, you could guard Giannis. You're not, you're not just going to sag off his Can I feet. just say it's telling, overarching this entire discussion, that we barely brought up Brooklyn. Like, that's how haywire oh. the situation has <laughs> gotten. Right. Absolutely. Up. Before we go too far down that rabbit hole, because we could go for a while, I do want to switch gears to the All-Star Weekend, the celebrity game in particular, because Big Perk, our oh. buddy over here, and Richard Jefferson, they're going to be analysts for the game. Cassidy Hubberth will be on the broadcast hosting, and then Monica McNutt is going to be our side. Yeah, Monica. Reporter. So let's take a look at these rosters. Yes. Team Walton, coached by Hall of Famer Bill Rich. Walton. I'm sorry, Perk. <laughs> I'm sorry. But the roster, Bill Walton's roster, features comedian Tiffany Haddish, rapper Quavo, and the musician Machine Gun Kelly. What's and up, Brittany Elena and Dierka Handy? Sorry. Coached by Dominique Wilkins. That includes rapper Jack Harlow, Browns defensive end Miles Garrett, and then Peloton and instructor Alex Toussaint. So, Perk, oh. I understand you and Richard have some sort of maybe bet on this game. Can you explain? I don't know if I want you to explain. What's going on? Well, first of all, he was sitting here with his feet kicked up, calling me out, and I just see him squid with early this morning calling me out about the bet. Here's the thing that I want to say. <laughs> I'm supposed to be the assistant coach to, to Team Neek. We have Miles Garrett, okay? And if anybody haven't seen Miles Garrett hoop, you need to go watch mm-hmm. the film. All right, we already know he got muscles on type, top of muscles, 6% body fat, probably a 40-inch vertical, but he actually could play. So we're going to run our offense to him. But <laughs> for us betting, I, I'm not betting Richard because I really don't want to be there because he's going to be there. I mean, I understand that. You Plus, he already whipped out those push-ups like nobody's been oh, yeah. this the other day. So, uh, I mean, I, 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 I can't. Richard, I'm sorry. I'm going with Team Perk. <laughs> I just am. I just am. Zach, thank you so much for joining us today. We will see you back here tomorrow. Please don't leave me hanging. I know. He always, <laughs> he always, <laughs> he always leaves me hanging. Exactly. I just don't see it coming. I don't see it coming. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Eventually, we're going to get there. We are going to get there. Still ahead on NBA Today, Brian Windhorst with the absolute latest on Harden for Simmons. Is it happening? NBA Today, back in 60 seconds. Hi, I'm Malika Andrews, host of NBA Today, and tomorrow, February 10th, tune into our NBA trade deadline special from 1 to 4 Eastern. We'll have all the Woj bombs, including our top NBA analysts, with insight on all the trades around the league. So tomorrow, catch NBA Today from 1 to 4 Eastern on ESPN.
Welcome back. I'm here with Janae Perk and Brian Winhorsa. Brian, you've been all over this potential James Harden for Ben Simmons story all week long. We are inching closer to the trade deadline. We are. What are the chances? <laughs> of uh, yeah, I mean, real? Th- th- it's on the table. I can't predict what will happen. I don't know if anybody can. What I think is a key factor here, Brooklyn, are they comfortable with what James Harden would be if he doesn't get traded? Because the way Harden has behaved in the last 10 days Mm. is comparable to the way he behaved in Houston when he wanted out. Mm. So really this is a question of who's who's most comfortable with the status quo. And Brooklyn is, you know, know, Philly we know wants Harden. Can Brooklyn be comfortable knowing that Harden is fully brought in and on board? Those are discussions that, you know, are probably going to have to happen. Well, one, one key difference, as I'm thinking through it, though, right, is even though he's hurt, KD's still on this roster. Yeah. Even though he's part-time, Kyrie Irving is on this roster. James Harden is showing up to the games. He's talking to his young teammates. He's supporting. I know he's out. I know he's injured. Perk, what would you do? You're wearing the glasses today. Professor Perk, general manager Perk, what would you do? If I'm James Harden? Yeah. I want out. I want out because, like, you know, I, I'm, he's a guy that's starving for a championship. KD, Kyrie, they got their championship. And not saying that they don't want more, but I'd rather go team up with a guy like Joel and B that's starving, that's hungry like I'm hungry. And right now, I just don't feel the culture there. It's like everything feels off. I said it today, it's a reality show. I call it Love and Hip Hop of of Brooklyn, but now I'm willing to say, you know, the real men's wives or men's (laughs) housewives of Brooklyn, whatever, New Jersey. It's just too much going on over there and not enough focus on the real goal. Go since, ahead. Since, since we're bringing up hip-hop, I, I remember when the sweepstakes were on for James Harden. We heard a lot and saw some things from Meek Mill, from Philly. I do think that's probably weighing on James Harden's mental. He has a realistic, viable option with Daryl Morey, who he knows already, a team that is desperate to win a championship and knows they're probably one piece away. If I'm in his situation, I'm like, I know that there are fewer problems over there. Maybe the biggest being maybe, you know, Joel Embiid being available for the foreseeable future. But right now, seeing how Joel is playing, I'm taking a good look. Uh, look. Is it, where is it? South? Yeah, south. Down yeah. south. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. It's, it's down <laughs> south. But if you're Brooklyn, do you, do, what do you think? You got to shoot your shot. He's been the one that's most likely been available for, you know, the entire course of the season. Those big three playing together is the reason why you want to win a championship. It makes sense for both sides, though. Why not get a Vincent? Uh, the Nets would be downgrading in talent. You know, that's why the package matters. Well, but guess what? We're on for three hours hours. on ESPN. Yeah, you're going to be there, (laughs) Perk. We're going to break it all down because the trade deadline, it is fine. You're watching the NBA Today trade deadline special presented by Kia. Here's your host, Malika Andrews. Welcome back to NBA Today. We have some trades around the league, so let's roll through them. Goran Dragic traded to the Spurs. He's expected to negotiate a buyout. That's according to our Adrian Wojnarowski. The Magic, they acquire Bull Bull P.J. Dozier from the Celtics. And the Spurs, they trade Derek White to the Celtics. That's for Josh Richardson and a pick. And then the Suns, they are getting Torrey Craig from the Pacers, while the Hornets acquire Montrez Harrell from the Wizards. So of all of that, and I know that it is a lot, big perk. Which one is your favorite acquisition? I actually like the one with uh, Derek White for the Celtics. Hmm. I, I think when you look at the Celtics, they need more shooting. Uh, Josh Richardson wasn't a guy that could get, provide spacing for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, I actually love that move. 
Yeah, uh, me. I, I like the Montrez Harrell uh, to Charlotte mainly because Charlotte's got all these young players. They're talented, but they've been hovering around that five, six, seven range. So they're hovering in the playoff, and that is a team that deserves to be in the postseason. They have played well all season long. Lamelo Ball coming off Rookie of the Year turns into an All Star. They need to be in the playoff, and I think that he gives them scoring off the bench, so you give them a little bit more firepower. I agree with RJ. I think it's interesting to see Montrez Harrell because you know he's a guy that will wake up and go out there and get you rebounds. Go out there and finish some shots at the rim and this is a team the Hornets that are perimeter dominated right so now you get a little bit more balance inside I do want to get back to the big trade of the day and that is James Harden to Philadelphia and Ben Simmons heading to Brooklyn and in to get into that a little bit more is our very own Tim Legler so Tim can you break this down just a little bit for us yeah, listen, I know the main focus of all of this is going to end up being on James Harden and, jo- and Joel Embiid and how they play together, as it should be, because it's tantalizing to think about what that can mean offensively for the Sixers and for the rest of the league. But let's talk a little bit about a guy we've forgotten a little bit about because he hasn't played this year and the impact he can have on the Nets. And for me, it mainly relates to his perimeter defense, which we're not going to touch screen, but also his pace and the easy offense that he creates. And this is what Ben Simmons does. And this is something the Brooklyn Nets do not have in their offense. Now, this ball is coming off the glass. And as you can see, Philadelphia, really, there's no reason to think that this is going to somehow relate to fast-break basketball. You've got three guys in the paint, and then you've got one wing who's not really a guy typically that runs the floor in front of Korkmaz out on the wing. And you've got two Celtics back on defense. But watch what Ben Simmons does. His size, his length, his speed, ball comes off, heads up the floor, stop it right there. You take a look, one second had passed, Ben Simmons was already at half court and it leads to a layup at the other end in a situation that it really shouldn't. Here once again, another one, the ball's gonna come off the rim and again, you've got five Philadelphia 76ers, all of whom are below the foul line. Everybody is in the paint. You've got three Washington Wizards back. How does this lead to a fast break basket? Well, one reason, Ben Simmons' speed and his vision and his ability to execute passes. Again, he has taken one dribble to this point and you look up and there's only one second off the shot clock as he's approaching half court with four defenders back. But if you're an offensive player and you know you run the floor, Ben Simmons is absolutely gonna be able to reward you. He's got great vision, he can execute any pass and he takes advantage of backpedaling defenders. This is something the Nets didn't really have in their offense because as great as James Harden is, he doesn't play with a lot of pace offensively. Kyrie Irving is more of a finisher. Kevin Durant as well. Now you've got an initiator to your break offensively and you've got a top five defensive player in the league to to give you all that versatility. So I think the Nets actually, once they have time with Ben Simmons, they're going to benefit offensively in a lot of ways because People forget, he does have a lot of value despite all this baggage. He's got to prove to people now he really wants to play basketball, that he loves it, and he's committed to trying to bring a championship to Brooklyn. Absolutely. Legs, thanks so much. Let's go to the defensive side, though, because since his first season in 2017, Ben Simmons, he has been an excellent defender. He's held opponents to just 42% from the field as the closest defender. That's the third best in the NBA behind Giannis and Anthony Davis. So bringing back the full panel now, I'm curious, RJ, starting with you, how much better does Ben Simmons make the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, well, what he brings to the table is, is special. It's unique, as we see highlights of Montrez Harrell. Uh, what, what he does is he 
adds to the pace. And that's one thing that James Harden was, you know, okay at because he can create for so many people, but it was typically at the pace that he liked to go. Ben Simmons is a guy, and we know that you didn't care about the, the Brooklyn Nets because offensively they were historic, but defensively they were subpar. Their defense got better in the postseason, but ultimately when you add Ben Simmons to this mix, if he just plays defense, he can be a roll-and-replace guy when Kevin Durant has the ball, all the things. But ultimately we forget that there are still some flaws in his game that were exposed in the last postseason. So, so now, listen, I'm being gentle here, right? So now there's going to be – it's up to Steve Nash and the Brooklyn Nets to kind of hide that or hope that he's been getting the help that he's needed or that he's asked for so that he can get kind of out of the yips or whatever it is that prevents him from shooting. See, what we have to realize is what I want to know is what type of style are the Nets going to want to play? We know Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are isolation-type players. Like, are they going to want to run and get out and transition and let Ben be the facilitator? Like, how are they going to use him? And by the way, I mean, Steve Nash ha hasn't shown us that he's the best coach in the world. You know what I mean? He's still learning on the fly as well. So it's a lot to factor in. But at the end of the day, it comes down to my question. Does Ben Simmons love the game of basketball? And he went from one strong market in Philly to another strong market in New York. And if he doesn't live up to expectations, he can expect those same boos that he heard in Philly that he will hear in New York. Re re really quickly, Perk, I want to ask you a question. Let's not talk about the boos. Let's talk about Kyrie and, and KD. They are... are Let's say their personalities are unique and a little bit intense. Mm. How will he be able to handle that? That's my question. My question is Ben Simmons. Can he handle being in a locker room with Kyrie and with Kevin Durant if he wasn't able to handle it with Joel? Well, that's one of the things we just heard from Ramona Shelburne is that he's going to continue working with his therapist. He's going to continue having those conversations and getting that outside help because you're right. Going back into a locker room, especially after the period that we've seen him be out, is going to be interesting to see how his game has changed, has adapted. Tim Legler, you're with us now. I, I am curious what you think about how his game is going to try translate in Brooklyn? Well, I think a couple of things. I think if they're smart, they're going to utilize Ben Simmons a lot more as a screen guy for Kyrie and KD in a half-court offense where he can then slide middle. So as those guys come off and they draw two, that ball comes back to somebody. Like in Golden State, it gets reversed to Draymond Green. He then operates his dribble handoff game or he picks you apart with back cuts. Ben Simmons is a guy that now moving toward the rim after that screen and catching it in that foul line area, you've gotten the ball to a guy that's six feet ten. He's going toward the basket, which obviously he's more comfortable, and he's got unbelievable vision. I think they need to incorporate him more like that. Obviously use him if he takes it off the glass, let him push it, let Kyrie and KD run, and mm. let him be the initiator in transition. In your half-court sets, he's not going to be much of a factor other than as a guy that can occasionally get downhill and finish, but I think primarily as a guy that can screen or be a weak side cutter when KD and Kyrie draw multiple defenders, he can slash and cut, get into the lane, and operate. I think the biggest benefit by far, though, is going to be the fact that he takes so much pressure off of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to have to guard the best perimeter players every night on these other teams. Ben Simmons can guard anyone on the floor, and he's going to take that luxury Except now for, for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and he's going to be the sacrificial lamb in a lot of ways defensively. Tim, That's I don't mean to, to interrupt me you here. Benefit. Tim, I don't mean to interrupt you here, and we're going to get back to this in just a moment. We have another trade that I want to just make sure that our audience is aware of. According to our 
Tim McMahon and Adrian Wojnarowski. The Mavs, they're trading Chris Dapps Porzingis to oh. the Wizards for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. What do you think of that trade, Perk? Again, one more time. The Mavs are trading Chris Dapps Porzingis to the Wizards, Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans in return. Now Montrez, it makes sense. It makes sense, but you know what? I, I, I love it for Dallas. Um... I think getting Bertans is a huge pickup. Like, you, you're talking about when you think about a guy like Luka, you need spacing. And I'm just trying to see where Spencer Dinwiddie going to fit in at. This can't be the end. This can't be his landing spot because you got Jalen Bronson. So I'm trying to figure out where Spencer Dinwiddie going to fit in at. And, and Spencer to the Mavs, correct, right, Malika? That, yeah. That's correct. Well, that's exactly what we were talking about a week ago. What are the Mavs' needs? You've got Luka Doncic at the point guard position who's been holding it down and putting up super heroic efforts the last few weeks. We've all seen what he did when we were calling the game a, a couple weeks. Was it a week yeah. ago? Seems like yeah forever ago. But the reality is Luka Doncic in the point guard uh, position, pick and roll, he's lethal, right? He can also score, he can get to the paint because he's about 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, At the post, okay, the question was, you know, Przingis, you know, holding it down. Now he's gone. The wing was the area at the time that made sense for them to target, especially now knowing that most of the game moves to the perimeter. And the value that they're getting from Przingis, I know it was 19 points per game, but you're not per se, you know, married to that when you have to make a push for Luka as well. So I'm not surprised that, you know, Przingis is on the move. I'm actually glad that they're getting a running mate in Spencer Dinwiddie, who has had a rough stretch as of late, but he needs another shot creator and a shot maker so that when Spencer is playing his top game, he has someone to offload the ball to, and so defenses can't just triple team him once he, you know, crosses half court. Right, but to me, this seems like it's just a fire sale for the Wizards. How are you evaluating this, Tim Legler? I love this deal, absolutely, for the Mavericks. No question about it. Because you look at a guy like Chris Porzingis, I know he got nicknamed the Unicorn because, you know, he's so unique, but he's also the Unicorn because you hardly ever see him. He's, he, that's, that's the problem with Chris Porzingis. You know, he's a guy that just, he's not consistently available. And then the biggest problem is, you know, when Luka Doncic was off the floor, if this is your second best player, he can't initiate any offense for himself. He's not a guy that you can run an offense through for five or six minutes while Luka's over there getting some Gatorade. Spencer Dinwiddie can do it. Jalen Brunson's had a very good year, but Spencer Dinwiddie gives them that other dynamic scoring guard, and he showed you when he was in Brooklyn what he's capable of doing when he's got the ball and it's his show. And now they're going to have the ability to continue to manufacture offense while Luka is resting. They really couldn't do that when he was off the floor. So I love this deal for Dallas. I think it was time that they moved on from Chris Porzingis, and he'll probably be more of the same in Washington, a guy that, you know, he's available here here and there and tantalizes you with 7-3 and shooting ability, but really not somebody that's reliable enough to build around and build toward a championship with. Yeah, like, I just can't, I, I don't know, I can't agree with the, the Spencer Dinwiddie part. Like, when I when I look at when Luka was out and the way that Jalen Bronson ran that team, it was phenomenal. And I, I just think that Spencer Dinwiddie to me is just not, I mean, he just hasn't looked the same since coming back off an of injury. But, but you know, hey, I mean, you know, I feel like this is a fresh start for Porzingis. Uh, we know that him and Luca always didn't see eye to eye. You know, he thought that he was the man. Now he actually gets an opportunity to go elsewhere and show that he's capable. Especially without Brad, Bradley yeah, Beal based on, you know, the season-ending surgery. All right, we're going to have more on this and other trades coming up after the break. Our NBA Today trade deadline special rolls on. Stay petty, Tim. <laughs> Thank you.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to the NBA Today trade deadline special. And this is the point in the show where I know Stephen A. is somewhere looking at his phone saying, what about my New York Knicks? Nothing. Just in that voice, right? Like something about like, like that, right? Because we haven't seen much movement from them. So, Brian Windhorst, what is going on in the Big Apple? Yeah, the Knicks have been looking to take on players and offload money, and they just haven't been able to find anything yet. We still have about 15 minutes left. It could still happen. Uh, they were close to a deal or at least had some traction on a deal with the Lakers yesterday. Mm. Um, that would have involved them getting some draft picks, uh, for setting out a couple of players, but the deal fell apart. Um, so, um, you know, they're still working. We'll see. But, you know, the Knicks just weren't able to, you know, their big move was Cam Reddish, but he hasn't played that much. And the young players that they were hoping were going to take a step in value this year, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, um, Mitchell Robinson, those players' value just hasn't increased and therefore, when they go out shopping on the market, they're not able to really upgrade. Well, and they set the bar so high last season with their play that got them all the way into the playoffs. And it was electric being in New York at that time. And Julius Randle, his play, won him most improved player. He was incredible watching him last season. So, Perk, when you're looking at him this season, what's the biggest difference between this year and last year? Well, last year he had the ball more in his hands. He was more the facilitator, the point forward. Then all of a sudden you add Kimber Walker and Evan Fournier, and all of a sudden Tibbs start running sets, more sets than just letting Julius kind of be that point forward. Now he's playing really basically going back to the power forward position, and now he, he's it's, it's just he's not used to getting his same amount of shots, his touches and things to that nature. But here's what I want to say. Uh, Wendy, you brought up an interesting point for us, the young guys not having value. I have to blame the front office of the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau. In order to up their value, you got to let these young guys be great and give them minutes. Well, their, their but, plan, their nope. plan is to increase the value of their young players, right? And then trade them when right. the star says, "I want to be a Nick." Right. That could still be their had, plan. No, no, no. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. But in order for them to do that, they have to be on the floor. So when you have, when, when Tibbs is stuck in his ways and he's given. You know, when he's playing Evan Fournier 46 minutes, uh, he's playing uh, Kimball Walker 38 minutes. It's not that much room for quickly. It's not that much room for OB Toppin. And so when I'm looking at this Knicks team right now, from from a, a former player looking at the players, they look like they're grown, like they're over tips. And I'm not calling for his job. I'm saying that. Right now, it's just like they're tired of Tibbs. And this is what I was saying when he was hired. I love that he, he got the opportunity, but Tibbs have to go back to adjusting. It's a new day and age. It's new players. You have to put your pride aside because it looks like players are going fr- are being frustrated with him. I don't know why Tibbs is not playing Cam Reddish. Look, out of Zion, uh, uh, R.J. Barrett, when they was at Duke, 
Cam Reddish was by far the most talented guy on that team. And you could ask any one of them. His talent is still there. So I don't understand that part of it either. The Reddish one, I, I, I can't explain. I don't really know what the point of trading Cam Reddish was if you're just not going to play him. But I would push back a little bit on the idea that their young players haven't increased their value. I think they haven't increased their value at maybe their trade value as much as the Knicks would have liked. But R.J. Barrett's had a really nice last uh, two months. Mitchell Robinson. They can't had a good really trade R.J. Barrett because R.J. Barrett's like their best. That's their, but that's their centerpiece for. I mean, if they want a big, big, ideally, big star, ideally, R.J. was there and they add the piece. Well, you don't always get what you want. Quickly's been okay <laughs> off the bench. Toppin is like plus a million, and every Knicks fan is clamoring for him to play more. So I think they've been okay, but that's the story of the Knicks season. I think this is one of the most disappointing teams in the NBA. I thought they were going to be better than this. I was wrong. And as far as today, like, they just don't have much to do. Nobody really wants the contracts that are out there. They don't want to give up picks to get off those contracts. And so here we are with 10 Wait, minutes to go. Not even. Nine. We're, co- we're coming under nine minutes. I feel like it's New Year's nine. Eve and, and we're counting down. And so the Lakers still haven't done a damn thing. The Lakers, the Knicks, do you expect them to, Wendy, as we watch this clock tick down? You know, I just didn't get the sense that the Lakers, are their hearts are in it on this trade deadline. I mean, again, we'll see what's going on. We're a little delayed, but, and I kind of don't blame them. You know, the Lakers, I don't know if they're interested in taking on more money mm. because money is always an issue. Uh, they're in the tax, but how far they go. And I'm not sure that a move that they could make with Taylor Horton Tucker would materially affect the outcome of this season. I think one thing that they were looking at, especially as you watched them last night, they got to shake something up. And so, Doing anything to just sort of reset the mood would help, and maybe that'll come in a lineup change involving Russell Westbrook. We'll see. How Russell Westbrook approaches the next few games, not that he's going to be a Laker in nine minutes for another year, Hmm. is going to be very interesting. I would pay a large sum of money to be in the room when Frank Vogel and the coaching staff says to Russ, you know what? Time for you to come off the bench and play 20 minutes a game. I would just, I would love to be in the meeting, but I am actually, look, we got eight minutes left or whatever. I'm shocked that the Lakers haven't done anything because I was at that Bucks game the other night when the Bucks just destroyed them. They lost to the Portland, whatever is left of the Portland Trailblazers right. last night. And after that Bucks game, LeBron all but said, as did other players, we're not very good and we got to do something. And they haven't done anything. And I thought they would just like get do something to get a guy, even if you just get it doesn't have to be a sexy name, but Terrence Ross or someone that could just come Perimeter in and play 20 competent right. minutes for your team because they look like. I mean, they're sad to watch right now. Their offense is slow as molasses. Let's say they, they look got miserable. Terrence Ross. Just what? do something. This is okay. LeBron James okay. Prime. you gotta got to try it. something. Got it. Let's say they did Terrence Ross. Let's say it happens in seven minutes. And that changes their horizon how? I think that's the way they're looking at it. How does that change their horizon? I, they don't have a basket of assets. They need something, though. They need to do something. Like, are, are they just telling us that this season is a wash? Like, are they just giving up? Because no, the, right, right, their play is telling us that. Yeah, because their play is telling us that. But as of right now, the only thing the Lakers got to look forward to is LeBron James breaking Kareem uh, score, all-time scoring record. That's the best thing that's going to happen for the Lakers this year. They can look forward to the All-Star break. <laughs> I, I guess I'm a little surprised at all the reporting, and I've heard the same thing, that they were hesitant to put that 2027 first-round pick in play, even for a guy like Eric Gordon, who's not the sexiest name, mm. because, again, like – you, you just signed LeBron James, who's 37 years it's, old. It's, you are 2027. Your, yeah. Rob Polinka might be gone. Hey, like, they're trying to win. Once, once no. they got LeBron on that extension, they can, extended LeBron, they don't – the pressure I, is different. Can I ask you a question, right? We, we, we've known Russ, and, and guys know that Russ is bullheaded. He's stubborn, right? 
And we're trying to figure out, can him and Frank Vogel work together, right? Because as of right now, I don't think Frank Vogel is going anywhere. I just don't understand at this point why not pull the trigger on the John Wall offer that was out there. I I have to say, if they could make that deal without giving up a first-round pick, and maybe there were ways they could do that, I think that would have been something they should. If have if I'm them, I'm I'm trying I'm trying Russ THT and that pick for Wall and Eric Gordon. I'm at least pitching that to see if One, I can get another two construct guys. that could have been discussed, depending on who you believe, is Christian Wood and John Wall hmm. for that package, which would have been interesting. Done. Let's go. I, I love like, this I'm back in. and forth between Wendy and Lodo. <laughs> You're like. All right, that's good. That's yeah, good enough. But yeah. you, you're saying, yeah, I'd make that. I'd make that deal. You'd pick up that phone call. I absolutely. So, I mean, would. I mean, there the season, you, go. you know, Perk, you know this. The season is very long. There's always time in seasons. There is time for yes, us yes, to Wendy, find. But time not in this is ticking. <laughs> but time is ticking. So coming up, we count you right up to the trade deadline, and we'll revisit the blockbuster trade between the Sixers and the Nets. Don't go anywhere. from our Adrian Wojnarowski. The Brooklyn Nets, they are trading James Harden to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks, sources tell ESPN. It is happening! The blockbuster is done. James Harden is headed to the Philadelphia 76ers, and Ben Simmons is going to be a net. Woo, there you have it. That is the biggest trade of the day, but... Guys, look at that clock behind you because we're ticking down. Ugh. Ten, nine. Not I'm not going to count all that. I promise you. I promise you. I'm not going to count all that. Four, three, two, one. Yeah, I do feel like we should be saying Happy New Year. Yes, Bradley Beal is still in Washington. But as I mentioned, the biggest trade of the day, Ben Simmons is headed to Brooklyn and James Harden is headed to Philadelphia. So, Ramona. When are we going to see Ben Simmons play for the Nets? That's an excellent question. You know, he's sat out this entire year working on his mental health. Obviously, he's in great physical condition. He's been working in, out all around Philadelphia. He's been working at their facility. So, physically, this, is, this could happen anytime. But mentally, I think he's going to take a little time here. The All-Star break's coming up. I would look for something after that. But, again, this, he just needs to get acclimated to his new team first. And, and he's going to be continuing to see his mental health professional that he's been seeing all year. Absolutely. Perk, do you ma- imagine this is going to be immediate gelling? I do. I do. Because, I mean, James Harden is just one of those guys, the way that he's able to adjust his game. And I think he's actually embraced the role of being a point yeah. guard nowadays. That's the great thing about it. Like, we, he's always going to probably go down as a shooting guard, which he was in Houston. But right now, he has embraced that point guard role with open arms, and he want to get others involved. I see it working. <laughs> I see it working. Well, guess what? March 10th is going to be Nets at the 76ers. Richard, is that DVRing it now? Yeah, no. It, it, I, well, can you DVR? I don't even know how that works. Uh, hopefully, I'll be working that game. But, you know, I think there's one thing that I think everyone is completely missing in this. And with all the trade stuff, and we try and humanize everybody from top to bottom, yep. are we just going to ignore the fact that uh, Doc Rivers traded his son-in-law? Are we just going to ignore the fact? Are we going to ignore the fact? I saw a tweet that said, <laughs> I saw a tweet that said Doc Rivers canceled practice so he could go say goodbye. 
goodbye to his grandkids. Like, this is <laughs> yeah. what's going on in the trade deadline. Shout out to my guy, CJ. That was a hilarious tweet. But, no, when you look at this, there's so much emotion that's going yeah. on on both sides. But I really do believe that both teams got better. There could be an argument for who did what and in conference. And I know Stephen A. did have some quality points. But – at the end of the day, the main thing here is that both teams are going to get guys that look like they're ready to play for said organizations, and I think that's great for the game, that's great for the individuals, and I'm looking forward to see how it all plays out. Well, we can see the Nets projected starting five lineup right there. We're going to keep covering this trade as NBA Today continues to roll on for the next hour, but we do have another trade from Adrian Wojnarowski that came in right before the deadline ended. Houston is trading Daniel Tice to the Celtics. Boston is sending guard Dennis Schroeder to the Rockets. Perk, what do you think? I love it. I love it. The Celtics, the Celtic fan base, they've been waiting to get rid of Dennis Schroeder, and they've been waiting to bring back Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice is going to fit perfect between him, Rob Williams, and Al Horford as the three bigs. I love it. He fits in. The guys love him. Dennis Schroeder was just not not the favorite in Boston, especially in the locker room. So they had to get rid of it, and they got a guy that they wanted. Daniel Tice, a great locker room guy, solid player. You just – you just named a lot of big guys. I don't really know what impact Daniel Tice is going to have on the team if they're going to play all these big guys. Well, they start they start too big, Zach. So they start Al Horford and Rob Williams, and then you have Daniel Tice coming in off the bench. Al Horford's been their backup center, effectively, and then you play a little Ennis Freedom, no, no, a little no, Grant no, Williams, no, no. and a small ball Ennis Freedom is nowhere in the equation, okay? Nowhere. So does anybody – is Schroeder a buyout? Is he a buyout guy? He's got one year on this deal, and obviously Houston ain't trying to win games. Schroeder's a pretty good player. Could he possibly be going to some place that might need somebody? I don't know. That once offered him a lot of money? That once that offered place? him a lot of money. So, you know, some of these teams that are wow. staying quiet could be looking at, like, who's going where, who's going to get bought out. Uh, obviously, Schroeder wasn't the most popular guy leaving L.A., but for the first 65 games, boy, their team was rolling and cooking. So, Look, I have seen things, Richard. DeAndre, <laughs> you remember when DeAndre Jordan went to Dallas and the Clippers uh, went yeah. stayed there and they had yeah. to camp outside his yeah, house. Me to Cleveland. He played for the Clippers. I mean, you know, these things at Dallas, he went back. And yeah, they, things happen. These things happen. These Dwight just, Howard left the Lakers and now he's back. Is, I mean, is Schroeder, do we think that Schroeder is going to stay on that roster for the Rockets till the end of the season? Well, he needs to play someplace where he's going to increase his market again because he'll be a free agent this year. Absolutely. The big Maybe they can sit him and just collect point guards who don't play for the Houston Rockets and just have them wear nice clothes on the bench. Boy, their practices might be please, great. Please, <laughs> wait, not wait, open. wait. No, wait, wait. No, 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 bro. Don't open oh, up sorry, their sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Did Oklahoma City get to the get to the floor? Oh! Oklahoma City did it. Did not, it? not yet. Is it night? That's a that's a preemptive Listen, celebration, guys, just, Richard. Just, we got a story for you guys just, later. That's a numbers. preemptive celebration. Some guys in Oklahoma City made a lot of We're going money. to get to that. We will get to that, I promise. But I do want to take a look, though, since we're speaking about the Celtics, at the odds in the East now. Look, Ooh. 76ers, they moved from 12-1 to 7-1 to win the NBA title. Perk, who is the best team in the East after the trade deadline? <laughs> you know what? It's, it's hard because... I don't want to knock out the Miami Heat, but I'm I'm going with the 76ers. I just don't know how you're going to stop this duo. Two guys that are on the mission, two guys that are starving, starving to win a championship. And Joel and B, I, I, I mean, we talk about what Elijah Warren did for Houston. He's on the verge of doing that for Philly right now. I mean, the way he's playing. His skill set, and they still have wings. 
They still have Danny Green, Taibo, they Maxi. They still have wings. And a lot of pressure is on Doc Rivers, by the way. Richard? The best team in the Eastern Conference is the defending champion, Milwaukee Bucks. Say whatever you want about Serge Ibaka and how much he has less. They didn't really need Serge Ibaka. They wanted somebody because they didn't think they were going to get Brooke Lopez. After that, I think it goes Philly only because they have all of their guys pushing mm. in the same direction. Then after that, I will go Brooklyn because there's answers. There's questions about Kyrie. There's questions about Ben Simmons and, and you know, what he has going on. And then after that, I would put the Miami we, Heat. We didn't ask but, for a list. <laughs> <laughs> all right, who's your list, Zach? I... I'm curious what would have to happen to the Brooklyn Nets for yeah. them not to be the championship favorites in Vegas. Like what else what else could knock them from this perch? I'm with RJ. The Milwaukee Bucks are yeah. sitting here like, you guys have all the drama, yell and scream at each other, oh, do all good. your back channel negotiations, yeah. trade your disgruntled stars, have vaccination issues, whatever. We'll just keep winning games. By the way, we don't, we don't have to get chem- we don't have to develop chemistry. We don't have any feeling out process. We'll just be cool. We'll be over here. We'll just I, I'd, like to, I'd, like to see, I'd like to see Giannis and Joel and Bede battle, and I'm sorry, but Giannis is – Giannis and Joel, I think that they could neutralize each other mm. as far as their greatness on the court. So let's talk about the MVP. Giannis ain't that far behind. He's having an yeah. MVP caliber season. And then after that, you're going to talk about Look. Drew and you're going to talk about uh, – um, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton. Then, we're going to talk, talk about, about James. The, we're going to talk about I, I, All these teams are and, good. And so all here, these teams are really the, good. Here's the thing that I'm saying. Like, I'm not, I'm not counting out the Milwaukee Bucks. But what I'm saying is, let's not How act you not like. Count you just said who was the best team I, in the East not, and you did not mention I, their name. That don't mean, that don't mean I'm, I don't have the respect for them. But let's not act like Kevin Durant single-handedly didn't put them out last year without Kyrie Irving and a 25% James Harden. Joe Harris was a no-show. He was a big, ugly toe away from sending them home. Like, <laughs> let's not so act graphic? like. graphic? Yeah, yeah like, but I let's, see yeah, but let's not act imagery. like that, that didn't happen. Like, that couldn't happen. Like, what are we talking but about? But the Bucks survived. Yeah. And they went on. And, and then they, they got the better. Title. They and got I think they, they, they exercised some of their postseason demons, mm-hmm. learned something yeah. about each other, learned how to play together. Like, there's and a they power. Lost P, they lost PJ Tucker, too. That's a big loss. That's a big loss. Okay. Story of today, though, to me, is do overs. Okay? We just had a do over of the trade last year that the Houston Rockets made with James Harden. Okay? Mm-hmm. Philly and Brooklyn were in on that. Brooklyn won that one. They revisited it again today. Did Brooklyn get as much as they gave up? No. But did they did they have better information now because they realized that big three didn't fit? Philly gave up less than what they were offering last year to Houston. But they got a lot more return for Ben Simmons, who was a distressed asset. If you want to think about it in that way. It, uh, two weeks ago, we didn't think they had anything. Mm. And they just got James Harden. Now, James Harden with a hammy, with now has quit on two teams. Like, we don't know. What, th- these are. Th- this was a do-over for all three of these teams involved here. And now we also look at the Lakers, who decide not to do anything with Russell Westbrook. They had a chance to do a do-over, and they stayed packed. Look, as basketball fans, we win no matter yeah. what because the talent is paired up in whatever way. It's, a, it's a, like Harden and, and, and Bead, that's incredible. But, Momo, you said, you know, the, this big three didn't yep. fit. And the sad part for me as just a neutral basketball fan yeah. is it did fit. Now, mm. it didn't fit. What you mean is off-court stuff and yeah. all this drama. 
on the court. Ooh. It was gorgeous. Yeah. It was powerful. Yeah. They moved the ball. It wasn't as static as people thought it was going to yeah. be. And yeah. you never get to see it again. Well, and they only got to play something to the tune of 16 games, regular season playoffs, to over two seasons mm-hmm. together. I had a front row seat, though, guys, to that Brooklyn Nets team last mm-hmm. year. I was covering that beat. That's what I did last season. And watching all of those guys together, when it came together, Ooh. there was so much joy that was in that locker room when James Harden was acquired. I mean, players were going nuts. They were so excited to see this. And then we saw that deteriorate slowly over the course of the last year because of all of these circumstances that you said. But when they got on the court, the sentiment of all three of those players was always, if we're healthy, if we can all stay out there, if we don't have these issues of personal issues and Kyrie Irving being away from the team, this, that, and the other, we are great. We are a great team, and we think that we can beat anyone. And as Zach Lowe said, now they may become the greatest sort of theoretical team that we've ever seen in NBA history. Do you believe that, Perk? You know what? I, I, I do. But here's the thing. You know what's the great thing about this trade today is that it's great for the NBA. Right, because we all sitting up here wondering, like, who's going to be, who's the best team in the Eastern Conference? And to be honest, it could be the Miami Heat. It could be the yep. 76ers. It could be the Nets. We know, it, are you going to no, list the whole no, no, Eastern no, Conference? No, it could I'm be making anybody, a point to say we'll that it's actually great for the game of basketball. So oh. now we're looking at each series and it's like. It was very bad for the game of basketball to have the situation with Ben Simmons Correct. linger as long as it had and the situation with James Harden and Ben Brooklyn the last couple of weeks. That's bad for basketball. You give me Nets, Sixers in the playoffs, oh. I'm going to be living on that Amtrak train. <laughs> Let's go. Who's I will get play every where? game. Ben Miami versus play Milwaukee. Yeah, he didn't want to play in Philly as a home player. Oh, he won the group. Well, and, and guess, guess what I conference we get to hang out with in the Eastern Conference Finals. See, that's going to be like so much fun. But this, the converse, your chest, I cannot deal with <laughs> yeah, today. The conversation, <laughs> though, has shifted, right? Because it was a couple of years ago that we were talking about, gosh, the West is so much better than the yeah. East. Look at all this talent. Oh, my goodness. The East doesn't even hold a candle to the West. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think of that, Ramona? I mean, mm. the, I, I could name – I won't because I'll get yelled at for this. No, no, no. I just but, is I mean, long-winded over here. I mean, the, like, I think the, the East has incredible competition right now. And, like, in the West, it, it feels like a two-horse race between the Suns and the Warriors. The, the, all season long, it's felt that way. Well, and speaking of the West, our Adrian Wojnarowski reported that obviously the Lakers, they didn't make yep. any deals. So now they are shifting their focus oh. to the buyout market. <laughs> Zach. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wow. You know what? I think, uh, listen, we can talk about the Lakers' focus on the buyout market, but I think the more important and pressing question is what happens with Russell Westbrook going forward. They've already started to bench him at the end of games. That will continue if he doesn't play the way that they are asking him to play. How long does this go on? I can't even believe I'm saying it. The thing is is that I strongly believe that him – and LeBron James can't coexist at the same time. So with that being said, mm-hmm. it's okay to come in as a six-man. We watched D'Antoni stagger James Harden and Russell Westbrook minutes, mm. for for the and it worked. It worked. You know, late in the fourth quarter, they end up coming in and kind of figuring things out. But I think that that's a conversation that Russell Westbrook, Frank Vogel, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis have to go into the office and have a conversation about. 
They got to have that conversation. They've had a lot of conversations. They need to have more. They've had a lot of My thing about this and what we're talking about, we've seen it in modern day. Like We've seen Carmelo Anthony not adjust and then figure it out and then come back and be a highly impactful player. But he was out of the league for a year or two. And so when I look at some of these great players, once the, once the game starts to – change if yep. you don't adjust and that's not just adjust your physical it's also adjusting your mental and your ego this ain't about you anymore mm. right there's going to be a time for a decade for 15 years what's about you and then it's going to come to a time where it's like you need to be asking what can I do for this team versus like this is how I do it and so I know that they've had conversations mm. I know that they've had conversations with Car- like Carmelo's on that team Carmelo yeah. can be like yo bro I've been here before so I look forward to see what the Lakers are going to try and do well and Russell West has said two different things, right? On the one hand, he said, I've earned the right to play in crunch time. And then on the other hand, he said, I'll do whatever it takes to win. So one of those two things may, it may be at odds and it may have to, we'll we'll see kind of what happens there. We're going to be back with more of our trade deadline special coming up after this, including Michael Wilbon reacting to the trade. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A whole lot of news around the league. Goran Dragic is traded to the Spurs, but he's expected to negotiate a buyout. That's according to our Adrian Wojnarowski. You can also see Dennis Schroeder is on the move. The Spurs traded Derek White to the Celtics for Josh Richardson. The Suns, they get Torrey Craig from the Pacers. The Hornets, they get Montrez Harrell from the Wizards. And then the Wizards are acquiring Kristaps Porzingis for Spencer Dinwiddie and company. All right. The big trade of the day, though, it is Ben Simmons heading to Brooklyn and James Harden headed to Philadelphia. Yes. So Sinead, and, what more can you tell me? Let's talk about Ben Simmons because a lot of the Ben Simmons narrative leaving Philly has been centered upon his weaknesses, especially after that game seven versus the Hawks. You want to forget about that. But it is also true that Ben is 25 years old. He's 6'11", and he's a point guard, a three-time All-Star, two-time All-Defensive First Team member. If he can get back to that pedigree, this is what Brooklyn Nets, this is what they'll be getting. So here's my tape. You saw everything that he brings right here. The fact that he was able to close out late, but more importantly on both ends you've got a guy that gives you eight rebounds a game you've got a guy that can also get you eight assists per game but more importantly defensively this is a team that is 20th in defensive rating they just got a big upgrade on that end of the floor and that's what we've been talking about today we've been discussing whether or not this makes the Sixers the favorite or whether or not this makes the Brooklyn Nets the favorite depending on who you ask we've gotten a couple of different answers I do though welcoming back our Kendrick Perkins want to chat with the one and only Mike Wilbon about his reaction to all of this that's been happening because this is huge news. Hi, Mike Wilbon, and also we have Monica McNutt with us. So, Wilbon, what's your reaction to this trade? Well, I mean, obviously it's a wow and a head spinner, and you immediately start to figure out whether Philly or Brooklyn has an advantage now in what is a short track season. I mean, it's a sprint when you come out of the break and you've got like 21, 22 games left for a lot of teams, it seems to me that it expands Brooklyn's window, that the window was this year. Keep those guys, those three guys together if you could. Get them on the court healthy. We see how few games they played. Their, their window is now expanded, I mean, for multiple years. 
I don't know that Philadelphia can say that, but it seems that Philadelphia has really put a lot of emphasis on right now. I mean, when you put Harden out there with a guy that I would vote for, and I do have a vote, I mean, I would vote for Embiid today Mm. for MVP. That might change in a week. It might change in three or four games. But Embiid right now, and you put the two of them out there, if James Harden is actually healthy, right, if if, if disinterest was his only issue, he's going to be engaged now, and he and Embiid would seem to me to be in the catbird seat now. Now, is Harden healthy? I mean, you know, maybe Richard and Perk have some have some insight here is into his health, this hamstring issue, which can obviously linger. But if if James Harden can be the guy we saw last year, who for a while was MVP of the league playing essentially point guard, then I, I, I think I'm not going to say the favorites. I do have Milwaukee and I have Miami because those mm. teams are set. They don't have to figure each other out. I mean, I was with the Heat guys the other day. They feel great about their situation. We know Milwaukee does. But between, if we narrow this down to Philadelphia and Brooklyn, um, I mean, I, Philadelphia did great for the moment. And James, hmm. and, and James Harden, we got to see, is it just being engaged? That was James Harden's problem recently, the last week or so in Brooklyn, or is health an issue that would bring another dynamic into play? Perk, what do you think? Well, I think it had everything with him being engaged. And I I think, look, we already – like, we see what James Harden do when he's under Daryl Moore. It's that that bond, that relationship. And I'm telling you, you know who else is going to be motivated, who's already motivated? Joel Embiid, as Mm. if he needs any more motivation. Like, (laughs) to get a player like that and then Joel – like, can y'all imagine if Joel Embiid takes his game to another level? Like, is it another level he can even take his game to? He has zero offensive flaws. He's a hell of a defender. He looks slim. And then all of a sudden you get a James Harden. You still got wing defenders. You still got Tobias Harris. You still got all these things. And this is the thing that makes uh, the Philadelphia 76 is so great. I was with Doc Rivers, right, when we won it. Doc Rivers is a hell of a basketball coach when he's coaching offense. Guess who got Rivers just got back? Coach Yeager, right? And I'm glad he did because he was battling the sickness. He's the defensive coach. You know what he did with Memphis when it was Grind City with Tony Allen. So they work as a combination like how Doc and Tibbs used to do. So now I'm looking at this 76ers team and I'm like, Joel and B motivated? He was already motivated? He had to be frustrated. He had to be frustrated, Perk, in these recent weeks with Ben Simmons just out. No compensation for him. He's playing at the MVP level, and yet there were some critical games the Sixers lost in there, yep. even though they moved back up in the Eastern Conference. He's got to be relieved that he's now got this kind of tag, a Hall of Fame tag team partner, if, again, if he's engaged. And I, I think we all believe that he certainly will be now in terms of James Harden. Absolutely. And Mike Wilbon, as is shown on our screen right now, Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting something that we also heard from Ramona Shelburne at the top of our show, which is Ben Simmons has already talked to Kevin Durant, but also he's talked to Sean Marks. And Rich Paul tells ESPN that Simmons is eager to join the Nets and ramp up. Quote, we've got to work. We've got work to do to get him back to play, but it's a step in the right direction. That's according to our Adrian Wojnarowski. That is Rich Paul. Remember, that's Ben Simmons' agent, Cheney. Yeah, and this is fascinating right here because a lot of people, again, I mentioned the weaknesses in Ben's game. We're taking a 
pick and roll that was, you know, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in Philly, now transporting that same pick and roll with Ben Simmons, and now his running mate is going to be Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. We talked earlier about that dribble handoff. What made that hard and difficult for Philly was Ben would roll in the half court after, you know, setting a dribble handoff, and Joel Embiid would be in the paint. Tobias Harris would be in the mid, you know, the short corner. Now he's doing that in Brooklyn, and he knows he can roll to the rim because he's largely going to be the big in the lineup. You know, they want that versatility, that small ball, but really you've got the point guard that's 6'10", you've got KD that's a seven-footer, and you're doing dribble handoffs with Kyrie. That opens up the floor for Ben to be able to be productive as someone that wants to finish at the rim. And lastly, I'll say about Ben Simmons is that his number one uh, asset to offense is the first 10 seconds. Mm. He grabs a rebound, he pushes a pace, and if he's not able to find somebody, you cross half court and you get into that pick and roll where he can roll and know that he's the number one option rolling. Right. That's going to lend well to his game. Right, and Monica, that, that's sort of talking about the offensive side, but defensively, that's been sort of the knock on the Nets as their previous team was constructed. How does Ben Simmons help that equation? Well, I mean, that kind of size immediately helps that equation. And I think at points this year, and I actually had a chance to call or be on the sideline for a Brooklyn Nets game, at points this year, this team has had to shift their identity because of the supporting cast guys, the role players. They were known as defenders as opposed to their offense. You put Simmons in the mix with that, a team that has pieces that are willing to defend and kind of excited about defense. You get a healthy KD back, who Steve Nash called kind of the quarterback of the defense at the height of this Brooklyn Nets defense at points this year. To me, like, on both sides of the ball, I know that the gamble is whether or not Ben Simmons is healthy and what's going to happen at Kyrie. But I think on both sides of the ball, the Nets got did better in this deal. Can I ask Malika, a question? can I ask a quick question? Whoa, I got two my, my questions bad, coming. All right, Wilbon first. Uh, let, let me just ask this. Okay, I, obviously, deadline pressure is often the necessary ingredient to push teams to get deals done. Why the hell couldn't they get this done earlier? <laughs> is it only deadline pressure that led this to happening? We heard they weren't even talking to each other directly for the longest. Was it Harden, Wilbon? Was it Harden? All of it, I, I well, can't accuse him of not being well, That's a great was, question, Mark. I, I think it was more so. It was more so KD signing off on it. But I, I have a question. Did. Was I the only one watching the playoffs last year and watching Ben Simmons? I mean, we talk about him rolling to the basket, but is it an eclipse of him passing up wide-open dunks, wide-open layups, uh, uh, afraid to yep. attack the basket because he's afraid to go to the free-throw line? Like, was I the only person that witnessed but that, that last year? That experience, Perk, was the point of no return for Ben Simmons in Philly, which is I'm glad that now we have two players that one was sitting out for a hamstring and one that has been out are now likely to play. That's better for the NBA overall. Yeah, there yes. you go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there were issues late in the series versus the Hawks, Game 7. We all uh, saw that. that. Uh, but you know that we are – Ben Simmons is 25 years old, and we know athletes are different now. They're fighting for mm -hmm. themselves in ways that people may not understand when it comes to mental health and situations. You know, I know you're an OG, and that may, may seem a little uh, foreign to you. I'm not surprised that after that experience, he said, you know what, I don't feel comfortable – entering this environment again. Now, a lot of fans will have their own thoughts about it, but the reality is he's found an environment where he feel like, feels like he can play, and I feel like that's the better situation for his game because now he feels comfortable to hit the court. And there's a big difference in the paint when you have Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and whoever you have coming behind you, uh, Andre Drummond, versus now having Katie and Kyrie spacing the floor. Maybe he will, it'll lend to him feeling more comfortable and well, be better. Well, first of all, first of all, boo-boo, I'm not on uh, about being no OG. I'm telling you, 
that when I look at Ben look, when I think about Ben Simmons and when I think about what he possibly could do and bring for the Nets, I think of a, a more athletic version of a, a, a modern-day Draymond Green of right now, right? His facilitating. Draymond's great. Uh, his facilitating. But you know the thing that separates them what? is his mental. He True. does not have the we mental. We don't know if he's tough enough. Of, we don't know if he's he, strong enough. He don't yet, have the mental yes. toughness. Why don't we let Drake? him prove it himself when he enters his environment? And if it's something that's consistent, then you can judge someone's character. But oh, I'm not going to give man. a one-off experience to say, all right, he's done for basketball. I, I would never say do that. that. I didn't say that. But I, I, I read I the James Harden and Ben I do think, Perk, to the mental component, I wonder if the dynamic between KD – will serve as a little bit of a buffer. I, he, I just already, he already dealing with a lot. Mother. All right, we're going to go so from the east to the west Kyrie, because still ahead, Big Perk on this, NBA Today. The Lakers' Russell Westbrook experience on. has not gone to plan now for a few months. So is there any hope for the Lakers' season? That's coming up next on NBA Today. No, none. <laughs> Thanks, Wilbon. <laughs> This is the NBA Today Trade Deadline Special, presented by Kia. Here's your host, Malika Andrews. All right, Russell Westbrook, he's missed his first game of the season last night. That was with lower back tightness. And the first look at Russell's rotation, it didn't go quite according to plan against the Blazers. So considering Portland had just dealt away C.J. McCollum, and remember, Dame Lillard isn't playing, it was a bad loss. So here's LeBron James postgame. Almost feels like it's, um, you know, like fog, you know, it's just fog and air and we're all trying to see what's on the other side of it. I'm, I'm tired as hell right now. I just want to, like, get some wine and get into bed and, and, and wake up tomorrow and feel good about what, what tomorrow has in store. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens as far as the, the deadline. And, but other than that, I'm kind of just focused on what we can do to be better. All right, I want to bring in Mike Wilbon to our discussion here. Wilbon, have the Lakers hit rock bottom. Is this it? No, missing the playoffs would be rock bottom. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I mean, Portland, Portland's like on the bubble to be an NCAA team. That's, how, that's, that's what they got. And the Lakers couldn't beat them. I went to bed in New York last night after, you know, post-game. And I just said, okay, the Lakers will find a way to win this game. And like 3 o'clock, I woke up and looked at my phone, and it's like they had lost that game. It's unbelievable. Talk about not being engaged. But you mean to tell me 55 games you start Russell Westbrook? You, and I'm not a huge Vogel critic. I'm just not because I think he's gotten too much of it. But you mean to tell me in 55 games they couldn't figure out to bring him off the bench a few of those games? I said this on the opening night of the season. You did. Bring him off the bench. He can he can start. He can finish. He can play with the second unit. My God, we saw Scottie Pippen play with the second unit of the Bulls through championship teams. Don't tell me this is an insult. That's just a lack of everything that is smart basketball to try it. If you try it for five set games, seven games, 10 games, 15 games, three games, and it doesn't work, then go back to something else. But here we are, 60 games into the season, and we're talking about the Lakers trying now to bring Russ off the bench and play with the second unit. That's insane. Richard? I, I, good job, Wilbon, because that was everything you said. <laughs> they lose to an NCAA team, but like at the end of the day, they've been losing NCAA teams all year long. They lost to Oklahoma City twice. This ain't the first time that this has gone down. So the, I think the, the, the most eye-opening thing, and like Bron in his most humble self said, Look, I am in one of the best offensive grooves ever. And for his Most entire good. career 
offensive grooves. And oh. one of the, the one of the will you let me finish this terrible oh. statement? <laughs> if you look at all of his numbers, they look like that, but they they normally over the course of his entire career have always led to wins. So Braun is in a great offensive groove, but is not leading to wins, and this team looks completely disjointed. There is nothing else. That is rock bottom for me. That is rock bottom. Is it rock bottom for you, Perk? It is rock bottom because their goal is to win the championship. So for them to be in the position that they're in and not make a move, like, yeah, they're at rock bottom. Because here, here's the thing. At the rate that the Lakers are going, they're going to get into the playoffs to play in. They're going to probably get into the playoffs. And guess what? <laughs> they're probably going to see Golden State, Phoenix, or the Memphis Grizzlies and get bounced the first round. You see that right here? Look at this video. You see how Russ trying to say, hey, this, that, and Man, Braun ain't trying to hear that. Mm-hmm. Braun ain't trying to hear that. I don't know if Russ know Braun too well, but you got to come out here and perform, homie. I, I just can't get over the amount of pressure that was on the Lakers to make a move today, coming from inside the organization, from outside. Like, every, I think there's a, a – I'm a little incredulous that they did make a move. But they held firm to this idea that this is our team. We are not going to pay, go deeper into the luxury tax. We're not going to mortgage more of our future. Make it work. And this is a team that they came up with this year, this summer. Braun, A.D., Russ sat together and said, we can make this work. And the message the Lakers front office just sent to them was, you're going to have to. Mm. Well, Ramona, I think you're not the only one that's scratching your head about the fact that they did not make any move. Wilbon, please do not go anywhere. We'll have more NBA Today trade deadline special coming up after this. This is the NBA Today trade deadline special presented by Kia. Here's your host, Malika Andrews. Welcome back to NBA Today. All right, we're going to dig into another big trade that happened today. Kristaps Porzingis and Spencer Dinwiddie. Flip-flop. Wilbon, what do you think? You know what? I remember all summer, at the end of the summer, after the Wizards had, like, gotten all these pieces, including Montrezl Harrell, and I thought, wow, it's a lot of pieces, but the Wizards ought to be a playoff team. They ought to be a lot better. Um, as soon as they figure out how to use these things and they're trusting that to a, a rookie coach, a magic name in this town where I sit now in Washington, D.C., when you say the name Unselled and coaching. And they got off to a 10-3 and three start. Mm. And then since then, the Wizards have done nothing, literally, uh, but just sort of implode. And I don't know what Porzingis does. It's another piece. But is it just a, a piece that's floating out there like... Bradley Beal, what's he, where is he going to be? Is he going to be, is he going to resign? Is he going to be the centerpiece of the Washington Wizards still? And can he play with Porzingis? Or are they going to have another bunch of moves, one that doesn't necessarily relate to the other, and just go in with a roster that looks good from afar, but doesn't make sense on the court? I don't know. If you, seriously, if anybody on the, in the group can tell me they know definitive, definitively what the Wizards are doing, I will applaud because I thought I knew. I'm sure they thought they knew, and now we have no idea. Well, Richard, if you are Bradley Beal, how are you evaluating this? I have no idea what Brad- Bradley <laughs> Beal has been thinking over you. I understand get your money, young man, but I think Bradley Beal as an all-star was one of the leading scorers in the league the last few years. What he's capable of doing is impactful. I don't think he wants to leave. Like, you've seen James Harden quietly ask out of two places in two years. We see this consistently. Bradley Beal is one of the better players in this league, and 
it just seems like his team is just kind of stuck. Why would you not trade him or try and do something? But whatever, Washington has a plan. It hasn't worked out well in the last 10, 15 years, but they have a plan. So I'm curious to sit back and watch and see. Washington's plan is the same. They're treading waters, to trying to keep their heads right. above water. And yeah, this is a free shot, really, at a guy who was the unicorn not long ago. And it's really, let's flip it to the Mavericks, because that's a more interesting angle here. What a shocking return for Kristaps Porzingis, considering what you gave up to get him from the Knicks and how you sold this as this is the next big two in, the, in, the, in Dallas, and this is the team that's going to propel us to the title. They just gave up. Said gave up. Spencer Dinwiddie has not played well this year. He'll play better. Davis Bertans, uh, Mike Wilbon just mentioned how bad the Wizards have been. He can't even get on the floor for them. He's been so bad. He can't, and that's who you got for Kristaps Porzingis. But one thing I will say is teams should be looking at the Mavericks cap sheet in 23 and 24 with a little fear because this deal was about dumping money and opening up some flexibility, making it easier to get into the free agency market. The Mavs were going to dump money somewhere today. People thought maybe Tim Hardaway Jr., mm. maybe Dwight Powell. Word started to circulate about 24 hours ago that Kristaps Porzingis was out there. But this, this is almost, I mean, look, the Mavs will tell you, we'll get something out of Dinwiddie. Bertanzi, you put shooting around Luka, he'll, he'll revive, he'll have moments. This is about getting off Kristaps Porzingis' contract. Well, and the one thing that I will say about this Dallas Mavericks thing, Luca's so young. Luca is so young. You have so much time to sit down with him, have a communication, say, look, over the next two to three years, while you're still under contract, we have to dump some salaries, and then we need to make this place very enticing for free agents or at least open up room to bring in players. And you understand that. But that's what the difference is between when you look at the best player for uh, for the Dallas Mavericks is sure. a young stud and then an, an older player in Bradley Beal. He's not over the hill or he's not past his prime, but he's at a spot now where you don't you can't just tread water for two years and all of a sudden Bradley Bill's value is at 75% of what it was two years prior. That's the mistake you're making. Your team's not going anywhere. Your best player is not really having the impact that you want. Why not start the rebuild? Right. Well, but I think for the Mavericks, this is about looking at, all right, Luka Doncic, where he's at. What can they do this summer? That's what it's going to be because I know, Zach, you flip-flopped up, down, back and forth on where the Mavericks are in the West. They keep roping you. me yeah, back they in. Keep, they keep lassoing you back in. Michael Wilbon, thank you so much for joining us here on NBA Today. We will be seeing you soon, I am very sure. But coming up, we bring in Woj to break down how the blockbuster trade between the Sixers and the Knicks went down. The NBA Today Trade Deadline Special is presented by the all-new, all-electric Kia EV6. Live fully charged. Welcome back to NBA Today. So the trade deadline is officially over, but we will have Woj joining us. So with all the trades that went down today, we're going to take a look at the buyout market. We're going to take a look at what is ahead in free agency. But first, we're going to welcome in our Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj, what can you tell us about how this trade unfolded with Ben Simmons and James Harden? Uh, Malika, at the very end of the negotiations today, and they really started in earnest this morning, you know, Philadelphia had lobbed calls uh, a couple times this week, really with no response from the Nets. They weren't countering. They just uh, accepted the offers. Uh, I was told pr pretty quick phone calls, but the conversation changed today as the teams got closer 
to the trade deadline. And obviously Ben Simmons was going to be central to this. And Seth Curry had been uh, in this deal. Uh, but ultimately, uh, Matthijs Thibel, I think for the Nets, that was certainly a player you know they were very interested in. And when they weren't able to get him in the trade, I think that's what led to the two first-round picks, obviously unprotected this year, uh, and the ability to defer to 2023 if the Nets don't want to take it mm. this year. And, of course, that allows the Nets to keep it as a trade asset, too, moving forward. Uh, and so I think for Brooklyn, uh, the, the kind of return they got, the picks, the ability to go out and, and do some more things, and Andre Drummond will come in certainly and play a role for them this season. I think the Nets just felt it was time to uh, break ties with James Harden, who they felt very confident was going to leave them. They were very confident, was planning on leaving them at the end of the season. And now, obviously, Ben Simmons comes in, and they've got to try to incorporate him as fast as they can for a team that obviously still has championship aspirations. Absolutely. And, Woj, you also spoke to Simmons agent Rich Paul today. What did you learn? Well, that Ben Simmons, ben Simmons had already talked to, obviously, J Sean Marks, the Nets GM, but also Kevin Durant. Uh, he's expected to talk to Kyrie Irving here soon. And uh, I was told the message from Kevin Durant was, was very clear. Like, we're, we're thrilled you're here, but we're, we're going to get to work. This is serious business. They are trying to win a title. And I'm told Simmons, and Rich Paul said Simmons is eager to be in Brooklyn. And he'll get here. Uh, he'll get to New York. You know, he'll start to ramp up to play. And listen, I think there's still a process here for Rich Paul, for Ben Simmons to get back on the court. But certainly the plan is you've got an all-star break coming and you've got a, an ability now for him on the court and off the court to get into a place that he needs to be to play. But certainly the focus is, is get him on the court. And mm. now you're looking at Ben Simmons, uh, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, and Seth Curry. I think especially with Joe Harris's injury right now, I think Seth Curry's even more important. And then the idea of having Seth Curry and Joe Harris together uh, certainly is, is impactful for the Nets. Absolutely, Woj. I cannot wait to watch this play out on the court. Thank you so much for your time today. Please go, go take a nap. I know. I'm kidding. I know you have more work to do, but thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, I want to take a look at all of the trades that are going down around the league. You can see them because we've spent a whole lot of time talking about Ben Simmons and talking about James Harden, but there was so much movement around the league today. And with that, I want to bring in our Bobby Marks because with all of that, it's never too soon, Bobby, to look ahead to what is coming down the pipeline. So what do you got for us? I've already shifted to the offseason. I mean, we're only four months away. I've already started doing my cap sheets and everything, but I think a couple big storylines. Certainly the free agent class of 2022, when we talk about Bradley Beal, uh, $245 million. Kyrie Irving has a player option there. Zach Levine certainly winning helps as far as re-signing re in, in Chicago. Uh, the other thing, what's the future of Damian Lillard going to be? Is he content as far as what a rebuild uh, is going to be in Portland? How do they shape up that roster? Um, Zion Williamson. Nobody's talked about Zion. Extension eligible. Can, can I say one thing really quickly? Every, everybody, I want you to stay really focused here. See, this PO means player <laughs> option, right? He's opting in. You see this right here? This is player option. It's like 50 million. What's the number? Tell us the number. 47, 47, million. 47 million. He's opting in. 
Hey, we, we don't, you never we don't know. know. <laughs> he's opting in. So even well, if, no, no, no. He's not opting in. He's not. Wait, wait, wait. What does he do? He's opting out and resigning, right? Uh, if he well, opts out, if he wants to. Yeah, we broke this down yesterday. Were you paying attention, Richard? <laughs> you know the no. answer to that. Uh, no. No. Got him. This is why. This is why. Listen, Malcolm X. Hold on a second, okay? I know it's Black History Month, and I like it. But my point is. Oh yeah, you take all the time you need. A lot of these. A lot of these. A lot of these player options. A lot of these guys, mainly John Wall, Russell Westbrook. We don't know what Kyrie Irving. Apparently, he broke down the Bradley Beal situation, but a lot of these guys are going to stay in their situation. They're going to take that money. Bobby, you mentioned something interesting. You mentioned Damian Lillard in all of this. Expand on that, please. Yeah. I mean, we saw uh, Portland basically tear down their roster with their Mm -hmm. trades. They have potential to have $35 million in cap space. They've got this trade exception, potential to have two lottery picks here. And I think the big thing is going to be Portland eventually is going to have to show their hand here. Right? They're going to have to show their hand and show what type of, I'm going to say retool, not rebuild, around Damian Lillard. Right. And is he going to be content for the next couple years as far as a team that's meddling in a, you know, if you had fighting to guess, for playing? your answer. No. No. <laughs> so, uh, but, okay, so, is that the same case when it comes to Bradley Beal? If you had to guess, what would be your answer, Bobby? I think Bradley Beal is going to have to take the next four months and look at what this Washington roster is going to be sure. and figure it out. And what I'm saying is, and this is going to be with different. Porzingis. This is going to be different than kind of where we saw with James Harden, where we waited till like the 24th hour to get a deal done. Bradley Beal, if he is not content, there's a relationship there with Tommy Shepard. Opt into his contract. This is where I want to go. Do I want to go to New York, Lakers, one of these other teams, and work out a deal where both of us are happy here? That's what I see happening with Bradley Beal if he does not want to stay there. But that's also a similar situation that Damian Lillard has. He has that same sort of goodwill with an organization that he spent his entire career building up, Janae. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why I see a lot of synergies. How are you going to build around Dame? How are you going to build around Bradley Beal? But when it comes to Dame, I mean, he's been loyal to the soil. We all know that. That's why a lot of people love him. But the reality is, all right, you got a change in coach, check, right? We're yep. trying to build around you. Change in front office. Change in front office, check. CJ McCollum, who everyone has been rumored for the past few years, is he going to go is he gonna say he's gone he's in New Orleans now you have to wonder who is the next piece that you can say all right Dame you're gonna be playing with them and they're gonna put you in that Western Conference contention so that is the question and I don't know that's the question we all sort of feel like we know the answer but that's the process that they're gonna be going yeah, and what we see is players sign extensions to eventually get traded right mm-hmm. you get your money you get your four years 196 million dollars the letter and then you figure out so where Brad, you so Bradley Beal is going to so, so here's, here's the thing. It's, it's all about, especially with Dane, right? He knows that, in the first of all, nobody is going to Portland, okay? That's first thing first. Second of all is, is that it all depends on what do, what do he want as a player? What he want his career to be identified? Does championships really mean that much to him? Because if they do, then I guarantee you could work out something with he could be in the Laker uniform next year. Now we're talking a different story. But if he want the bag mm. and continue to make big dollars, then he could stay there and play with all those young guys and stay in the ground and stay ten toes deep in that Portland. So zone. I, I want to take a look at this though, Bobby Marks, because this is the teams with significant cap space. Yeah, the one team, and I know this is Richard's segment right now, that we're not talking about here is Oklahoma City. The Thunder are not up here because when the summer comes, they're not one of the teams to have cap space. However, talk about it. Here we go. Get to it. They've got $33 million in room to use until the end of the um, start of free agency, which is in June. And here we go. 
The biggest winners today. You better go. Are the players in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Thank you so much. We will see you later.